stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite World Talk radio shows. Visit iradioblog.com. The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Human mind, body, emotions, and spirit are more powerful than anyone can imagine, and we will learn to utilize each of them to the maximum and learn to make decisions about what we want and how we want to feel. What a concept, and one we will explore today on the Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. On our program, we'll address who you are, why you're here on this planet, how to go within, how to come to know what you believe, and why. Now, here's your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon. We're broadcasting from absolutely, incredibly gorgeous Scottsdale, Arizona today. I'd like to spend more time on talking about the weather, but we have too many things to do today. We've talked a lot about meditation in the past, and on the blog I write a lot about meditation. It's my opinion that meditation is the most important tool for any kind of self-improvement Meditation is king or queen, whichever way you want to look at it. But some people have a lot of trouble stopping all the mind chatter and they give up before they reach a really lovely, helpful, meditative state. So I have an offer for you today. I, you might want to get pencil and paper or just go to the blog, theselfimprovementblog.com. There on the, in the, on the right, you'll see down, just a little bit down, self-improvement tools category. And under that, you'll see a big flower, pinkish, orangey flower that says free. It's free from project meditation. Project meditation is offering a full program worth $670 to the first three people who contact me. Uh, project meditation utilizes brainwave entrainment uh, to help you get to the best brainwave state to meditate. It's an absolutely wonderful program. I've done brainwave entrainment before. I've only been doing life flow project meditation for a couple months now, and it's the best I've seen anywhere. And they have graciously offered to three of you their program for free. All you have to do is go to the blog, scroll down to the bottom of that article, click on the title of the article, go to the bottom, down just below that. There's two ads at the end of the article. Below that, you're going to see um, a box that says Speak Your Mind. Enter your email address and your name and any message you want to put in there, but it comes through Speak 
your mind at the bottom of that article. Trust me, this is a really big deal. Uh, Even at $670, their program is priceless. You'll get more than your money's worth, and this time it's free. So go to theselfimprovementblog.com. Sign up for it, and I'll have a wonderful surprise, hopefully for three of you, before this day is over. While you're on the blog, take a look at the picture and bio of our guest today. It's just to the right of where you are to see the Project Meditation stuff. Um, You'll see this lovely blonde woman, uh, and we'll talk, has her, her bio there, and above it is the review of her book. So while we're ramping up the show, take a look at all of those things. Um, there are also some articles about humor, about self-esteem, health, and a lot more. So you know, take your time and enjoy. You can take a look at the blog and listen while you know, do it all at once. It's kind of a package deal here today. You know, sometimes we just need to let down our hair, talk about who we really are, and have a good laugh. You know, laugh at some of the things you've been through, some of the things you see in yourself. From the moment I picked up Susan Dentino's book, Songs of My Life, Slightly Out of Tune, I mean, even the title made me want to read it, um, I, I was fascinated with her openness, her humor, her insights into her own behavior, and what she did about that. She takes us to her highest highs and her lowest lows. And she does that in a way that's inspiring and it's always entertaining. She's walked this crooked path of self-improvement and now she takes time to share what she's learned with those of us who are still trudging along. Susan Dentino is an author, a motivational speaker, and a radio show host who embraces the opportunity to reach out to a multitude of people in a way that blends humor with the life lessons she's learned along the way. I love the humor. As the host of the highly rated weekly radio show, Susan Dentino Live, she gets to the heart of the matter with her special brand of humor. Dentino is the author of the children's book, A Year of Me. Isn't that wonderful for a child? A Year of Me. And recently trademarked a new technique, Empowering Meditation, which combines automatic writing, affirmation creation, and guided meditation to promote peace and serenity. And you know what? I bet a lot of that could be used right along with the brainwave technology if you should be the one who gets that program. She's also the the creator of the healing meditation CD, Butterfly Blessings. Susan divides her time between Sanibel Island, Florida and Buffalo, New York, and she's a woman after my own heart. Susan, welcome to the Self-Improvement Show. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. I'm absolutely delighted. Tell us a little bit about yourself to get us started. Who is Susan Dentino? 
Well, I think you capsulized a lot of the things that are important to me in your introduction. I have been on this path of self-discovery for quite a few years, as I'm sure many of us have been. And each step of the way, I've learned some things that I have just been compelled to share. And I think I would identify myself as a bit of a Renaissance woman. I was what they now call a stay-at-home mom, but I had a college education and part of the hippie flower child generation. So that was very much in my background and then settled down, raised three daughters, but always doing a little something philosophically, uh, always doing jobs that I enjoy doing. And I would say probably when I turned 40, I started asking the big questions and I was just feeling very pulled to make a difference. It has really been what's driven me and I've always written, kept journals and things like that. And that's where the meat of this book came from. As you mentioned, I wrote the children's book, A Year of Me, and that book was published in 2000. And in all honesty, I thought that was my life purpose. So I waited for Oprah to call, figuring that all my problems would be over. (laughs) So did she called me and picked that book as the first children's book in her book club. And when that didn't happen, you know, I took a step back and thought, well, I'm getting all these pushes to move forward. What does this mean? So there's been, as you described, quite a few twists and turns on the journey, but I'm very content with where I am right now. And again, I I just strive. Somebody asked me not that long ago when I was thinking of retiring, and I'm so passionate about what I do that this isn't even work to me. I can't even imagine not doing what I do. Oh, I I totally know what you're saying. Absolutely. So I think that describes me. I'm a passionate person who loves to make people laugh. I love to laugh, and I love to share anything that in any way will help somebody. You know, in your book, your very first sentence got my full attention, and it is, I've been up and down the numbers on my bathroom scale so many times that I think I've lost and regained a small African country. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I share that problem with you, and I know exactly what you're talking about. And you talk about your longtime aversion to looking in mirrors and being photographed. And, and you know what? My kids have almost no pictures of me, nor do my grandchildren. Um, but you finally learned how to accept yourself just the way you are, and I've gotten that as well. How can the rest of us choose to, to like what we see in that mirror? I talk about this in the chapter because I think it's so much about our self-talk. And often, whenever I lecture about this, people seem like they get these aha looks on their faces that we talk to ourselves in a way that we would never even talk to our worst enemy. Oh, absolutely. Right? And once you're aware of it, once you're aware of what the first words are you hear in the morning coming from your own mouth, you know, something you don't like about yourself, you realize that it starts your day off in that way. So I really think the first thing is about learning how to change the way you talk to yourself. And we all know that creation begins with the thought and then it's carried out with the word. So once you start talking to yourself a little bit differently, as I recommend, looking at yourself and finding something that doesn't make you uncomfortable, like your smile, your eyes, and starting to fall in love with yourself 
one piece at a time. And it is a gradual process, especially if you've got this self-talk that's telling you all the ways you're lacking. But it can be done, and it's. I really enjoy having my picture taken now. I will say there are still times that I look at it and say, oh, my gosh, you know, get the Photoshop out. But <laughs> Yeah. Right? But, I mean, for the most part, I'm much more content than I've ever been with exactly what I see. And I'm at that age now, as I talk about, too, where there's a lot of people that are starting to get into the Botox and doing things like that. And, again, I am not in any way judging people who feel that they need this to make them feel better. But for me, I just feel so much about it is looking at yourself and loving what you see. And how, you know, where does a woman start? Well, or a man. Men now, I just heard yesterday, are buying more makeup than ever, having more plastic surgery than ever because it's important that they feel good about the way they look. In fact, we've almost become obsessive about our looks in this country. You know, where do you start when you look in the mirror and say, oh, my gosh. (laughs) You know, I think it's like what I said. I would say that everybody's got to find something about themselves that they like, even if it's one hair on your head that lays the right way. I think... I'm a big proponent of writing. And if you find that in the beginning it's it's too difficult of a challenge to find that positive thing to say to yourself, then I advise people to sit down and write and write a little bit. What are your strong points? What is it about yourself you like? And you can't put anything negative down. You just have to list your attributes. And I really find it's a profound exercise because I won't let people get away from that piece of paper until they've put down at least one thing they like about themselves, their smile, being kind. Then let's go inside if the outside isn't making you happy. And then the kindness. And then we'll talk about how the kindness will shine through. The compassion. And it does. Right. Exactly. So I totally agree that we are becoming a youth-obsessed society. I know, I again, it's another chapter in the book that I talk about. And I think that, again... There's so many people out there. Joan Rivers is constantly making fun of herself, but I would defy anybody to say that Joan Rivers looks good right now with that facelift that she's had countless times. Right. So when is it enough? You know, and we don't always know what people see when they look at us. You know, I remember meeting a woman that I thought was extremely homely, and she was in a very high position, and I'm thinking... Oh, you poor thing. And that was very judgmental on my part, and it was a long time ago. But as I got to know her, she became beautiful because she was this amazingly beautiful human being that when you got to know her, her beauty was all you saw. But her facial features were not when you first met her. She was an amazing person. It's a beautiful story, and I think it's so true, and I bet there's many of your listeners that can identify with that. And I know they're starting to become more aware of making our younger women especially aware of how much photo brushing goes on with the um, pictures that they're giving for these poor young girls to emulate. I saw not that long ago, um, I believe it was on Facebook, where they had a group of women considered beautiful now compared to a group of women considered beautiful, like, say, 20 years ago. And the women that people are trying to emulate now look skeletal. I mean, these models 
It's not a healthy way to be. And I think we just have to be so cautious of the images that we're portraying and how much we buy into this whole youth obsession that we have that leads to the look obsession and onward and onward into the rabbit hole. I couldn't agree more. And on that thought, we need to go to a break. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Susan Dentino. We'll be back with more. So stay tuned. Find out what's happening on the World Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at World Talk Radio. Want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite World Talk Radio Network host? How about what's new with our network? Make sure you check out the iRadio blog, a look at what's hot at World Talk Radio and beyond. Visit www.iradioblog.com today. Get the inside scoop on every channel on our network, including breaking news, featured guests, blog posts from our hosts, and much more. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter for even more inside action. Visit iradioblog.com today and stay connected. Are you where you want to be in life? Are you experiencing the happiness that you're entitled to? How'd you like to improve your life and well-being? Take a weekly break to listen to Change Your Mind, Change Your Life with your hosts, Jim and Lynn Swearingen. You'll learn how hypnosis can truly help you rewrite the chapters of your life. You'll also learn to change perceptions of what hypnosis is and what it isn't. Be sure to listen every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You are tuned in to the Self Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is the self improvement blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Susan Dentino. We've been talking about... Her book and her life, Songs of My Life, Slightly Out of Tune. It's a wonderful book. I I encourage you to get it, especially if you're a woman and a mother. She really will speak right to your heart. Susan, you ha- you talk a lot about your daughters in the book, and one of them seemed to be more of a challenge to raise than the other two. Most of us who have more than one child have one wild child, you know, and they're different. What finally made you accept that you needed to stand back and let your children solve their own problems, let your wild child be who she was? Well, very frankly, it became too big of a job even for me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Trying to keep them all happy all the time just became a huge challenge. And what I found was that it was impacting all areas of my life. And as you described in my introduction, I split my time between Buffalo, New York, where my family lives, and Sanibel Island, Florida. 
And I found that when I was in Sanibel, I gave myself permission to not be so involved with their lives. And I'm not an intrusive mother, and they would all definitely agree with that. But I don't know if you remember the TV show Brothers and Sisters. And Sally Fields played this over-concerned mom, and my family began to call me Sally because this is just the way I was. I was If the two of them were in an argument, you know, I'd be in there trying to fix it. And I really noticed that in Sanibel, I gave myself permission because I wasn't close enough to be able to do anything. I could hear stuff on the phone, but it was easy to just hang it up. So it really, the distance physically gave me that permission, but it's still, it's still a challenge for me because really, above everything that I'm proud of, being a good mom rates very high on my priority list. So it's something I strive for all the time. And again, you get into that whole definition, well, what does that mean? And I think a long time ago, I learned from my own mother that what it meant was fixing your children's lives at all costs. And I always thought to myself, I am never going to fall into that trap. And lo and behold, I find I found myself doing it, especially with my youngest daughter. So it's been a gradual thing, but I often tell people that, boy, oh, boy, it's one of the most valuable lessons I've learned. How did she respond when she began to realize that you had taken off the, I want to say handcuffs, but that's probably not the right word? You know, it's funny. We've always had a very special relationship, and and since you brought her up, I'm going to just give you a very abbreviated story of the past year and a half of my life. Right after I got done with Songs of My Life, I came back to Buffalo to be at that youngest daughter's baby shower, and of course, as we would expect, she was pregnant without benefit of marriage, although she was living with a great guy, so everything was very good, going home for the baby shower, and she hadn't been feeling good, and in the span of an hour's time, when I went with her to the doctors, we found out that her little eight-month-old fetus was no longer alive. Oh. She had, yes, and she had to go to the hospital to deliver the baby, and while they were putting her through a battery of tests to see, you know, how she was going to hold up during delivery, we found out that she had AML, a very aggressive form of leukemia. So to say my life did a complete 180 at that point is an understatement, but my youngest child then took me to the next level of having to watch her fight for her life. I'm happy to say that she's doing well. She did have to have a bone marrow transplant, and, you know, she's still visiting our excellent Cancer Institute, Roswell, here in Buffalo. Actually, she had an appointment today. So it's still very much a part of our lives. But it's interesting because when I wrote that book, I had really created wonderful boundaries with her. And then this happened, and all bets are off. Because once I know, as any mother knows, one of your children being that ill, not only the tragedy of us losing a grandchild, this was a little grandson, but also going through this with her. So so it's even made it more important for me to know that I'm there for her as a mother, but she's 30, but she just had her birthday, she's 33. So again, you know, this has been, you think that you learned the lesson, and boy, the universe is going to come up and say, let's see how well you've learned it. Yeah, so, you try know, this I, on for size and see how you do. 
You you got that right. I mean, and you know, I'm so much a positive thinker. I used all of my tools when she was so ill. We had positive affirmations all over her room. And it's really a point where you learn to walk your talk and walk your philosophy. But so many people have brought her up in the context of being a wild child. And I thought, boy, oh, boy. And, you know, I didn't know that, quote, unquote, the best was yet to come. So... Because of this, I have learned that she has to live her own life and that if I don't hear from her for a few days that she's okay. And it's, you know, again, when I'm in Buffalo, as I am right now, you know, we speak every day. I just saw her today. You know, we go through her blood work together, very thrilled at her progress. But she hasn't, you know, she was a wild child, and so she's had to completely change the way that she was used to living so it's been quite an experience, not only for me, but for her as well. Yeah, and it's hard because you're a worrier. You talk a lot in the book about being a worrier. And I think as parents, you know, it, it's almost part of what we ha- we think we have to do. Um, talk a little bit about your being a chronic worrier and how you came through. In fact, talk about that school trip to Europe. And then people see how much you worry. And how did you overcome that? Yes, it's again, talking about this, my youngest daughter, she was in the uh, eighth grade at the time, and we were visiting France on a school trip. And it was the first really big trip I had ever taken, first time I had gone out of the country. And as I write about in the book, I began to worry almost immediately. And it's interesting because getting back to what I was talking about before with my daughter, it's always the things that you don't worry about that happen and the things that you, you know, do worry about never do. But I began with worrying about the plane going down and then the wonderful journey we took up Mount Blanc in these cable cars. <laughs> I I'm sure they were very safe, but oh my gosh, going up those cable cars, the kids were running back and forth in the cable car because they loved the fact that it was shaking, and I am shaking as much as that cable car was, and as I talk about it, we got to a certain point, and I got off and literally kissed the ground. I was so happy I was on the top of this mountain, and you could go a little bit far. And it was the first time that I let my worry and my fear stop me from doing something. So uh, the whole rest of the group went off, and I was just too much of a nervous Nelly to do it. And when everybody came down and described what they had seen, I knew that it was probably a a once-in-a-lifetime experience. And it really made me realize that worry is just such a thief of your time. It's a thief of your joy. And like you said, it is a natural component of being a mom, but there are ways to control it. And I learned from that situation, and even with everything that we went through with my daughter, I never let my head go to worst-case scenario. And if it did, I had something in my mind immediately to replace it. So what I have learned to do with the things that I chronically worried about, like even now with all the traveling I do, I am not a happy flyer. I'm much better, but I'm not a happy flyer. And when we hit those little bumps in the turbulence or whatever, I say to myself, how blessed I am that I'm able to afford to fly from point A to point B. It's a wonderful way to travel, and I immediately flip it versus thinking, oh, my gosh, the plane's going to go down, which is the way I used to be, where I'd be in like, like, 
stiff knuckles bracing. Anybody seeing me on a plane would just be like, oh, my gosh, this woman's like one brick short of a load because I would be in crash <laughs> position at the slightest bump. And with living in two places like I do, not flying is not an option for me. And I do enjoy travel. So it's just, I think, again, talking about those meditation CDs you were discussing, it's so much about retraining the mind to look at all the positive versus all of the negative. So that's really what I focused on. I have a little encouraging statement that I can say to myself whenever I feel myself going to what I like to call the dark side, which is when my mind is going to become overcome with fear and not really being where I need to be to live my best life. So you're saying, you're you're preaching my sermon about being in control of your thoughts. If you can control your thoughts, you can control your worry, your panic, your all of those things. But it's a process of learning how to it's do that. Right. It's it's not necessarily that easy. But you no. talk you give people the tools, you give them journaling, you give them meditation, you give them the tools that they need to accomplish that. It's time for us to take a break now. When we come back, we'll talk with Susan Moore. This is Irene Collin and my guest Susan Dentino saying, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Find out what's happening on the World Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword World Talk Radio. Step up to the microphone. View the finalists right now on VoiceAmericaKids.tv. America's next great star is waiting to be discovered. Step up to the microphone is an exclusive presentation for VoiceAmerica.tv, where you can see and hear America's next top child star. The program is hosted by Voice America's own Cassie Frazier, and new episodes will be available every week exclusively at VoiceAmericaKids.tv. You can say you saw them at the beginning of their superstar career. Tune in to VoiceAmericaKids.tv. Hey, did you know Voice America has partnered with the Kidstar Network to expand their reach through Voice America Kids? Voice America Kids will feature talk radio for kids, by kids, along with special event programming and live broadcasts. Each program is conveniently archived for on-demand listening at any time. Please check our archives for the latest events and happenings on voiceamericakids.com. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You are tuned in to the Self Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1 866 613 1612. That's 1 866 613 1612. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is the self improvement blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the self improvement show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon. My guest today is Susan Dentino, 
the author of Songs of My Life, Slightly Out of Tune, and I think we can all relate to that title. Susan, before we get started with a little more conversation, tell the, the listeners how they can find you on the Internet, how they can find your book, tell us about your radio show, all those yummy things. Oh, I would love to. Thank you, Irene. Well, I have a website, which is my name, Susan Dintino, D-I-N-T-I-N-O dot com. And I keep it very up to date with my latest radio show posted there. And all the places that you can buy the book are listed right on the side of the page. I do book signings and my upcoming schedule is posted there as well. Amazon.com is just a click away, very easy way to get the book. And I am available on Kindle, Nook, Sony, whatever electronic book that you use. And I make quite a true statement that Songs of My Life, slightly out of tune, on Kindle costs less than a cup of coffee because it's a dollar ninety nine. So you can't there's no beat that and have your cup of coffee while you read it. Exactly. You get uh, double the bang for your buck. So you can get there. If you're like me and at times like more of a, a book to hold on to, you can uh, get it again. Uh, many of the Barnes & Noble have started carrying it. I'm a big supporter of the little bookstores. So what I'm encouraging people to do, I know if you're in the Denver area, quite a few of those bookstores are now carrying the book. But if you're going to your little bookstores want to support them, just request the book. And it's as simple as is them ordering it and bringing it in. So it's available, Internet, small bookstores, online, all different ways. It's a Hay House publication, so you can also get it at hayhouse.com. In addition, my radio show, which thank you for mentioning that, is on every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific time. I tend to be time zone challenged, so I always have to remember oh, what me I, too. <laughs> I never know what time it is where I'm supposed to be. But anyways, I'm on the East Coast, but it's 10 a.m. Pacific time. Susan Dentino Live. It's on 12radio.com. And every week we deal with a different Topic. Now, this coming week, as a matter of fact, I'm having a recurring guest. It's Linda Elson, and she's a feng shui expert. So we're going to be talking a little bit about feng shui and what you can do for your home. Uh, the week after that, I'm having a mommy blogger on to find out. I noticed your website is so beautiful, Irene, and, oh, and your you. blog. And I think blogging is a great thing. I also talk about my meditation technique that you mentioned, empowering meditation. I teach workshops on that. All, everything that you need to know about me is on my website. There's even a video on the homepage that tells you a little bit more about my book. So that's the best go-to place to go and just find it that it's something that you'll really get as much information as possible by visiting my, by visiting me there by, and I always love hearing from people so please feel free to email me again every all the information is right on my website netsusandintino.com Fantastic. You can tell people are used to being on the radio when they can give you all of that without a pause. I love it. <laughs> One of the things I absolutely loved in your book, and I'd like to, to have you talk a little bit about it, is that you began to send yourself flowers with notes. Um, talk about what brought you to do this and you know, what it means to you to send yourself flowers with lovely little notes. Well, 
Once we reach the point of self-acceptance and move to the point of self-love, I think a big part of that whole combination is self-nurturing. And it comes from giving to yourself as much as you give to others. And I'm sure that there's many of you out there listening that can identify with how we're so wonderful about giving to everybody else and not so great about giving to ourselves. So I talk in this chapter, and by the way, the title of the book is based on the fact that each chapter is a song title, some of them a little bit skewed, some, you know, right on the money. The name of this chapter is Don't Stop Till You Get Enough. And I really, really believe that. <laughs> nothing, nothing selfish about it. It's about self-loving. It's about putting yourself first, refilling that well that you so happily empty and might take some time to refill. So I talk about how I was going crazy planning this surprise birthday party for my mother-in-law. And I was running around like a crazy person. And I thought to myself, boy, it would be nice if somebody sent me flowers, if I just knew that Somebody had some idea as to all this work I was doing. And I had had this fantasy many times, and the flowers never came. No matter how many hints I dropped, it never happened. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to send myself flowers. And before I could change my mind, I called the florist, and I described the perfect bunch of flowers to her. I love stargazer lilies. I love the way they make the house smell. And no matter how many times I've told my husband, he's much more a roses kind of guy. So I could talk about these yeah. lilies all the time, right? He was going to send me roses. So I just completely pictured the perfect bouquet and I ordered it just the way I would like it. So as a florist is taking the order, it was obvious it was for me and she goes, well, there'll be no card. And I said, yes, I would like a card. And this is what I wanted to say. Susan, thank you for all you do. Love, Susan. And so she got a good laugh out of that. We got off the phone and I arranged for the delivery the next day, the day of the party. Well, of course, the day of the party, it was a pool party. It was raining. You know, there's a wind going through, almost a tornado. It was like, oh, my gosh, you got to be kidding me. Everything that could go wrong was starting to happen. I was doing last-minute shopping. I lost my car keys. So I was totally frantic. So I get home, and I'm, I'm rushing around to get ready. And it was about probably an hour before the party was due to start, and the doorbell rings. And I think, oh, my gosh, somebody cannot be getting here that early. So I open the door, and there is this beautiful arrangement of flowers in a vase. And it was like, oh, my gosh, I had totally forgotten I did that. And I just felt just fantastic. It totally flipped my mood. I took the flowers and I put them in a prominent place, took out the card, smiled to myself, and went around doing the final preparations for the party. Well, it was the talk of the party because people would go up. The bouquet was beautiful, and they'd pick up the card. Well, first my <laughs> husband came up, and he goes, who sent you these flowers? And I said, look at the card. And he goes, you have truly lost it. You have truly lost it. You know, and none in his true fashion shakes his head and walks away. But um, everybody that looked at that card just laughed. And I'll tell you, I think it's one habit that I have gotten more people to do because like I said in the book, just do it randomly. And it's 
I also will buy fresh flowers for myself. I always have them. If I go to a hotel, I always try and have them as well if I'm staying more than a night. So I just think it's so important because every time you see those flowers, it's affirming that you're worth it, that you're worth it. I think this is one of the most nurturing things I've heard anyone suggest. Unless you hate flowers, and I can't even imagine that. You know, unless there's something really wrong that you can't have flowers, find something that nurtures you. You know, maybe you send yourself or or buy a piece of music or, you know, something that only you really want um, and, and can appreciate. Something. Do something. Maybe just take a walk outside in the fresh air, but do something to nourish yourself. But I love that story. And I hope a lot of other women begin sending flowers to themselves as well. And men, I mean, the florists will love you. you know. <laughs> yes, that is very true. And you're right. If flowers don't do it for you, there has to be something that will. Maybe a pedicure, maybe a massage. And I think it is every once in a while I'll just do it for my husband. I'll send him flowers at work and usually maybe with a balloon attached with something quirky on the balloon because People just really enjoy getting that type of thing. So I I think if you know somebody else will love it, I always, whenever I go to a funeral home when somebody's passed and I see all those beautiful flowers, I always think to myself how much that person would have probably appreciated those flowers when they were alive. Absolutely. And what were, right, and what were the chances that those flowers were being sent? So I totally agree with you. It doesn't matter what it is, but to find a way to just say, I love you to yourself, you know, or even if it's a little bit much for you until you get to that point, I like you. I like you. I think going back to that whole self-acceptance, it's so important. It's critical. It's absolutely critical. You know, one of the things that you talk about that many of us share with you, and, and, you know, I I relate with you on so many levels in your book. You talk about unrealistic expectations, and you tell the story about what you consider uh, the family root canal, (laughs) a, a cruise that you took. Tell us a little bit about that and what your expectations did to create that little bit of disaster. Yes, that is in the chapter, We Are Family on Vacation. And ever since I can remember, I have always thought that bringing my family together for a blissful vacation was the most important thing in the world. And it goes back to this whole concept of what makes a good mom. So I talk about how I had been a travel agent, and it was just something that I thought would be fun to do. And I would always try these occupations and really just think it would be fun to be a travel agent. And at the time, actually, travel agents got quite a few perks, so it was fun. But I had never been on a cruise before. So when you see these great discounts, you're thinking, oh, my gosh, this will be the perfect perfect family vacation because we had never done anything quite that glamorous. So I booked this cruise for the family for Easter vacation. And because I had never been on a cruise before, when they said that one cabin could sleep five people, I thought that would be just fine because (laughs) we were on a budget, right? 
So, oh my gosh, this is just, and all these stories are true. None of these are made up. All these stories are true. So I talk about when we first get on the ship and we open the door to what was to be our home for a week and look at the size of this cabin. And it was like my daughters just looked at me and my husband, who really is a good guy, we've been married over 40 years, he just was so used to me always trying to do these things that never quite panned out the way I thought they would. And I just know he was bracing himself for a week from, you know, the, the deep down. He just uh, got to this whole point that he just got in his place on that in the cabin and literally didn't move for a week except to go for meals because the only piece he had was when we would go on the shore excursions. But it was just, I mean, you know how they talk about when women are all of that age, they all start menstruating together. So we were all menstruating. Oh. In this, oh, I mean, it was a small cabin, one bathroom. You know, my oldest daughter found out that she was of legal age to drink on the cruise. So that was a whole nother thing. She's off with all the college kids, you know, doing things that, you know, at 18 she wouldn't have been doing in the States. So it was really one of those things that by the end of it, I, I, first of all, I couldn't believe that my husband had not jumped ship. I mean, that was the one thing I could not believe. And it was, I just said to myself, oh my gosh, I don't know why I keep trying because it was just one thing after another. But we will sit and talk about the vacation and most of our other vacations as a family, and we'll all be laughing till we cry. One story I did not put in the book that the kids still talk about is my husband had splurged and bought me a diamond necklace. And it was nothing huge, but it was just a beautiful diamond necklace. And I had worn it on the cruise. And we, our first stop, I think, was uh, Puerto Rico, if I'm not mistaken. So we had gotten off, walked all through Puerto Rico, and when we got back to the ship, I felt my neck, and my necklace had gone. I was devastated. So we got off the ship and tried to retrace our steps, you know, stopped at a few stores, and of course, we didn't have unlimited time because the ship was leaving. So we get back on the ship, and I go into the bathroom totally dis disappointed, on the verge of tears, and I go to go to the bathroom, and then I scream, and I'm yelling in, in exuberance because this necklace had drifted down and fallen into my underwear. So the <laughs> necklace <laughs> I love it. On that note, Susan, we're going to go to commercial break. We'll be back with more, and maybe it'll be just as funny, so stay tuned. We're making it easier to listen to the World Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Meet 
best-selling authors. Find tantalizing new books, learn the latest healthy living tips, and be inspired to coach yourself to success on Star Style. Be the star you are every Thursday from 3 to 4 p.m. Pacific Time on World Talk Radio. The Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, and her health hero daughter, Heather Brittany, fire up the airwaves with upbeat, positive, life-changing talk radio. It's the Power Hour on Star Style. Be the star you are. Thursdays from 3 to 4 p.m. Pacific on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Come play with us. Talk Radio Variety Channel. You are tuned in to the Self Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1 866 613 1612. That's 1 866 613 1612. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is the self improvement blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the self improvement show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the self improvement show. This is Irene Conlon. My guest today is Susan Dentino who wrote this fabulous book, Songs of My Life, Slightly Out of Tune, and I think most of you can identify with it. We've been talking about some of the things that you have done over the course of your 42-year marriage. It seems to have survived this roller coaster of life you've been on. So you must have garnered a lot of nice tips for couples who are still coping with some of the changes that they confront um, what advice do you have for married couples to make it continue to work or to get it back on track? I think the biggest thing I feel is it's about compromise. It's about realizing that there's never a black and white to a situation, but most of the time shades of gray. And I think what's really important is that two people have to grow into being the best friends because it's wonderful to have passion and that spark, but I think ultimately what makes a long relationship is being good friends. And I know with my daughters, uh, they're all in relationships, two are married. That's what I've said to them as they're raising their children, how important it is to have date night, where even if it's a very simple getting together just the two of you just to reacquaint because before you know it, your children are gone and you don't know each other anymore. So we've definitely been able to do that. And then my husband's business is in Buffalo. And I definitely think it keeps some spark with the fact that I do travel and that, you know, at this point in our marriage, it's still exciting to see each other at the airport. I think it has so much to do with that as far as just constantly being able to put yourself in your partner's shoes and then realizing what the important things are to argue about. I think sometimes we get caught up in the trivial things versus the things that are really important. But compromise, realizing that it's a living organism. A relationship is a living organism that has to be nurtured and treated as such and that it's going to be ever-changing. And 
again, after this many years, there are still times when you take a step back and say, okay, what do we do about this? So definitely going through what we just went through with my daughter's illness, you see how that can fracture a relationship. So it's just being ready for the changes that evolve. I think that's amazing advice, Um, but you have to learn to communicate what it is you need and want. Have you been able to do that over these years? Your husband seems like almost the exact opposite of you, but he seems like he really is tuned in and understands where you are. Yeah, that's very perceptive of you to say that because you're right. He's much more the type that keeps things in versus talking about him and I'm much more of a talker and that is one of the evolutions that we've been through and yes I totally agree communication is key so I'm so glad that you mentioned that he's much better about it now than he was and I think like I talk about that whole silent treatment which was his big way of being angry with me and how with a lot of people it probably wouldn't bother them that much but with me being such a communicator that for me was like you know, uh, a no compromise partner marriage. I didn't think that there would ever be a reason for somebody to stop talking to a partner. I just think it's almost abusive for my type of personality. So I talk about that hurdle that we had to overcome. But yes, he's much better with being open, still not to the extent I am. There's times I might be too open, I'll readily admit it. But yes, you're exactly right. It's interesting right. how we. We can learn to make it work. You talk in the last chapter of your book about activities that give you a boost when you need it the most. What are some of those activities? Well, I totally agree with your talk in the beginning that meditation on a daily basis is just key to living a good life. So we'll go with that. But also one of the things I love to do on Sanibel is ride my Vespa. I have a little pink scooter that I tootle all over the island with. I'm actually known as the pink lady there because I have so much pink. It's my favorite color that I'm usually dressed in pink. I love to do like the self-nurturing things. Have a spa day. And now with all of these deals, you can do it very affordably. Do something like that. Reach out to your friends. Right now, so many of my friends live in all different parts of the country, but we will take time to Skype each other or talk to each other so that we're always being connected. So I'm so blessed right now to have wonderful friends in my life, taking the time to visit with your friends. I just think, you know, something as simple as a wonderful hot bath, wonderful hot beverage, any of these things, getting back to what we talked about before, self-nurturing, and I call that chapter a few of my favorite things, and so many people that have read it said once they read it, they can't get that song out of their heads. I know. So. <laughs> I sat here with rain drops and roses. And exactly. All of that. But, yeah. But I think all of those, again, come under the category of self-nurturing and realizing that it is your right to be happy. And I think it boils down to these whole idea that it's more blessed to give than to receive, which is a wonderful thing to think. But you have to remember that if you're continuously giving, you have no more to give. So That's receiving right. is Sometimes just Sometimes it's important. more blessed to give to yourself and receive. Right. Susan, we're right up at the end of the show. What's the final thought that you want to leave with the listeners today? 
that wonderful little snippet. I believe that laughter is the song of the soul. And when you take a look at your life as an observer, find the moments of laughter because those are the things that you remember. And also to keep in mind that no matter what adversity, whatever challenges that you are going through, there is always that strength that you possess to get through it. Ah, wonderful, wonderful words. Next week's guest is Dan Brodsky-Chenfield. He's a skydiving instructor, world champion skydiver, who tells his story. His story is one of survival, actually. Some of you may remember the plane wreck that killed many, many skydivers. Uh, he was one of them who survived and went on to continue to skydive and became a world champion. It's a gripping story. Nobody wants to miss this one. It's um, it's just something that you may never hear about again. It's quite amazing. Susan, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. Always love, we'll have to have you back because we didn't even get started. If you haven't had a chance to go to the self-improvement blog and see about that wonderful gift uh, of meditation from Project Meditation, go to the self-improvement blog now, read about the free Project Meditation gift, and sign up. This is Irene Conlon saying thank you for being with Susan Dentino and I today. Come back next week for more of the Self-Improvement Show. Thank you again for joining Dr. Irene Conlon for the Self-Improvement Show. Please listen again next Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember that improvement out there starts in here.